It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, June 19th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that's got so much going on with the draft coming up. And then we are going to continue talking about trades versus buyouts and all that. A lot of good stuff this week, Russ. Busy week for me. I'll be on a lot of shows. We'll get to it right now. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube. We're on the SiriusXM app as well. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And uh, speaking of YouTube, our first giveaway for getting to a subscription milestone is well underway. The deadline for entering is today. So make sure you check out over on YouTube, the Get in on it. channel. Um, and one thing that's been really interesting about it, Russ, is uh, we asked you to subscribe and comment who you think the Flyers will pick or who you want them to pick in the draft for the seventh overall and uh looking at the data so far i made a spreadsheet put it all together and uh mitchkoff is in the top spot by a significant margin i would say and then oliver moore is in the second spot now a lot of people commented multiple players so i picked sure. the, the guy you said first because right. i assume that's the one you would want the most um but so in this unscientific <laughs> data collection uh th those are the kind of the two options that uh flyers fans or our listeners are, are thinking about no and it makes sense i think they're guys that are on two different sides of the spectrum and represent um two different things for the fan base and i'll get more into it when we do it yeah i, I think that'll be really interesting um the Locked On NHL mock draft is going to be underway starting tomorrow. We've been talking about that for the last week or so. And it is incredible how many things have changed since we did oh, that yeah. mock draft in terms of, you know, what the word on the street is about what different teams are thinking and, you know, what conventional wisdom is and people's lists are changing and predictions are changing. My and final so list changed a little. That's up on sportsology.com if you want to see it. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And, you know, I think that it's going to be fascinating when when the list comes out starting tomorrow and it's going to be released in chunks. Uh, so stay tuned to our YouTube channel and you'll see a uh, little one minute blurbs on our selections. And we'll, of course, expand on that during the shows as well. But, uh, yeah, so much going on in uh, draft land for us here at Locked On. I want to talk a little bit about buyouts. Uh, we talked about that on Friday's show and we went through like a whole exercise about potential contracts to buy out. And uh, because the uh, buyout period started on Friday and I think, you know, obviously the Flyers haven't done anything on that front as of yet. However, I think the big buyout news that came out with the Vancouver Canucks and Oliver Ekman-Larsen, 
I think it, it's an interesting buyout to look at in you know the grand scheme of things and just how terrible that contract was from jump, what they said, you know, Ekman Larson was going to be for the Canucks <laughs> and then isn't. And it just made me think about the Ilya Brzgalov contract and what the Flyers did with that contract and signing it. Um, and then, you know, soon thereafter, having to to do the buyout and having it be a cap hit for many, many years. Now, the time frames are different. The contract size is different. But I think the impact could be very similar here. Yeah, I didn't like either one. Uh, I hated the British The contract Gallops. or the buyout? <laughs> <laughs> the contracts and the buyouts for both of them. And I'm not right all the time, but Bridge Galloff, I knew, was the wrong guy. I just knew it. And I watched him just go down that road and make the wrong decision. Ekman Larson, I talked about it, how I feel like for that kind of money, he's finished. Uh, if you want to put him on a third pairing and get a little something out of him, sure. That's for like a million and a half dollars a year, not for what they did. Uh, he was he 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 was used up for the most part in Arizona. They he had a lot of mileage on him. That was just a very bad idea to have him sign to take him in that deal and take on all that yeah. salary. It was just a bad idea. It was a tremendously bad idea, and I think everybody knew that at the time. And uh, you know, unfortunately, when you have you know, new administration, so to speak, come in and new management come in and they're evaluating the contracts that their predecessors signed or traded for. Right. Um, I, th I think that, you know, there is a, a tendency to try and erase the past and say mm -hmm. that wasn't me. Um, and, you know, in some ways you try and make a trade to, to get rid of it. But it, like with that OEL contract, like you just weren't going to get a deal on it with the kind of player he is to your point about he's really like a third pairing if and maybe second pairing in the in the best case scenario or in a in a Canucks scenario yeah, right? he's not the, he's not scoring the way he used to he's not gonna right right and so you know you look at the uh Ekman Larson buyout so that's an eight-year buyout and you know while the cap hit this upcoming year is very very low I think if you're looking at the Canucks and this is to me like similar to the Flyers and the Briz deal, which is what made me think of it is you look at what the cap hits are going to be and when and where the Canucks are in a potential like trying to rebuild there or retool or whatever they're doing in Vancouver, um, which is somewhat more stressful than the Flyers, I think, you know, but truth be told. Yeah. But, you know, you look at their year like three and four cap hit for that that's 4.7 million dollars of a cap hit when ostensibly you should be turning the corner right oh yeah i mean it's just brutal it's one of the more brutal buyouts i get it it's still a savings but it's a brutal situation and they're stuck with it man i mean that's just the way it is but some team will get oel and they'll sign him for like two years you know like five million or something less than that <laughs> And he'll do okay, but he used to be a guy that gets 14, 15, 20 goals, 60 points. You know, he's not that right. guy now. No, and if you look at the Brisgolov buyout, I think, you know, the buyout rules and terms were different then. And I think that the Flyers got lucky in that sense because, you know, that buyout was a 14-year buyout, which, I mean, just I remember the weight of when that ended was just tremendous. But you know, that was a 1.6 million cap hit for those 14 years because it was yeah, a for the rest of his life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but at the same time, 
if you look if you look at the cap hit like at least it was manageable even though it was right. a lot longer and very painful because it was even throughout the course of the buyout i think it was easier on the flyers to do it then as opposed to the way they do buyouts now where it's like different like it's right. calculated a lot different yeah they're still paying them like just because it's not on the cap anymore don't think they're not paying them he, he's getting oh, sure. his check every year yeah, he is. He is, but no longer on the cap, and that's all we care about <laughs> for the. That's all we care about. The Flyers still add up the total nut, though, you know. Yeah, I guess they do, but yeah, I think that's you know part of the reason why we're so deliberate about discussions around buyouts and what the impact could be, because you don't want a contract buyout to negatively impact your progression. Right. And your ability to field like the best guys on the ice that you can in given the circumstances and go after those free agents, sign those young players, like make all the moves that you want to make when you're stuck with like a $4.7 million cap hit for a player that you don't have. Like that's not okay. <laughs> no, it's hard because yeah, you're, you're having to replace them in the lineup. You're still paying for that guy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's clogging your ability to get other guys. So, yeah, it's 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 the hardest thing in hockey, and it's the it's the worst thing to try and balance. Uh, they're gutsy for doing it because there is a savings there, but it will affect them for like you said, the next four years. Easy. Yeah, it will. So, given all that, uh, want to follow up on that conversation from Friday and, and talk about trading versus buying out versus keeping the the player and why you do each because i think that's important when you approach any particular player and you know what your decision as a team is going to be on that process and we will do that coming up next today's episode is brought to you by ebay motors for a championship team it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit it's the same when it comes to your vehicle every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's all about bringing... Easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items, only exclusion supply. All right. Uh, before we dig more into this trade versus buyout versus keep discussion, just a reminder, again, it is mock draft week. So not only are we going to have our mock draft picks for the Locked On NHL uh, mock draft, we're going to have some versus scenarios. So we're going to look at two guys that could be available at that pick, whether it's seven or it's 22, and say, you know, which would we choose if both are available? Um, and one, one of the first ones we're going to talk about is related to the uh, unscientific poll that we just talked about on YouTube. So very excited to get into that starting tomorrow. Looking at our discussion from Friday, where we talked about potential buyouts uh, of Kevin Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, Nick Delorier, and Cal Peterson, 
and then looking at you know some of your comments uh, that you had, all of them uh, very interesting. And so just wanted to elaborate on that discussion a little bit, just to get to the sort of basics of you know why do we want to potentially buy out some guys and and what leads a team to get to the buyout spot to begin with? Because I think that you know the the main question is why do we need the cap space right now? And you know the discussion of, well, of course they've already tried to trade these guys. You don't buy somebody out that you attempt to trade and can get a trade for, or, you know, the, the trade is so lopsided that the buyout makes your cap hit better, right. In terms of salary retention. So there's a few reasons why you want cap space. First one is like, you can weaponize it. You could take somebody's bad contract, get a first round pick for it. Uh, especially if it's only, you know, one year left on it and they want to get out from under cause they want to, get a player at the deadline, they give you a first rounder or a conditional first based on the trade. Maybe you get a second out of it. And it was good that you had that cap space because you did that. Then there's another one where let's say Arizona, all of a sudden in two, three months, we find out they're moving and let's say they're going to, to Salt Lake, right? And Clayton Keller goes, hold on, I'm done. Trade me. Well, Clayton Keller's 24. He's not going to ruin your plans for a rebuild. And if you have the cap space and you have the draft picks that you've been working up, then you can maybe make that deal. And so you have to have it for that too. So just because you're rebuilding, again, you're not going to close off to all other opportunities and neither will the Flyers. Yeah. And I think that's the main point why you want the cap space, right? Secondarily, the Flyers are in a cap crunch to begin with right now yeah. that um, when you have Travis Sanheim's salary is, is up, then you have Sean Couturier coming back into the lineup, potentially Cam Atkinson coming back into the lineup. Those are a lot of dollars <laughs> allocated. And yeah, you're not supposed to be a bad team with no cap up space. To the, yeah. The bad teams have a ton of cap space. Arizona has to work to get to the floor. There was a time right. where Columbus had to work to get to the floor. Right. Right. And, and that's what it, if you're a bad team with, no cap space there's no room to make right. those improvements you're doing it Whether, wrong yeah yeah i think that's the the main point here and then again it's that you know when you're buying somebody out it's because you've attempted to trade them and you have not been able to get a deal that's better than the buyout that's yeah. that's just the bottom line right right and that's the thing um like some teams bought out players right away like we talked about oliver oel that was obvious, but the Flyers, you know, they're going to try and, you know, pedal off, try and make a deal till the last minute. They have till the 30th, so they're going to work yeah. hard and, and do that, but I still think they're going to do at least one buyout. I think there's a possibility of two, uh, but you don't have to do it the first day, so, you know, as a fan, don't look for that right away. I mean, they're going to try and pedal these guys at the draft. They're going to do anything they can beg, borrow, and steal to get some of these players off the roster. And if they can't, then that's the final alternative. Right. And that's where, you know, for me, the Kevin Hayes buyout didn't make sense in this particular year, even though I think there was a lot of benefits to, to doing it. Um, I think that just financially, it's the same situation as the OEL contract where you're going to have a huge cap hit for that buyout in, you know, year two, year three, when you're trying to turn a corner and you don't have the room to do what you want to do on your roster. And I think right. And I don't disagree with you, but this is more about um, what's going on with the team. And literally yeah. the day after 
we talked about how it's so obvious that Kevin Hayes and Torts do not see eye to eye that all of a sudden Frank Saravalli is talking about their fractured relationship. Like, you know, we just didn't use the word fractured, but, you know, it was obvious uh, that it wasn't good. And I, you know, I was there on breakup day and saw how Kevin was sort of handling it. Uh, and I knew he was just putting up with it. Like I've known him long enough to know that he was just being a good soldier and putting it up with it in his mind. And then Torts on his mind is like, I, this guy's not working out for me. So that's why that possibility exists is because the coach yeah. is going to push for it. And I, th I think it's a fine line. And I, I understand yes. there's like a negative effect in the locker room and with torts. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of which do you want to prioritize in this situation? One year of maybe some tension in the locker room versus having extra freedom to do what you want with your roster for two or three years right. down the road. And That's it's a fair, choice. Fair point. It is a choice. I, I think it's just a choice. And for me, the choice is I want the flexibility down the road. And this year is going to be painful probably in, in a bunch of ways and might as well be painful to have Kevin Hayes around, you know, as far as that tension. And again, like Kevin Hayes, the player, think he has value and can contribute. Oh, he does. Yeah. That's, that's not even a question. It's, it's a just square peg round hole situation. It has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, that is an important part of, of the discussion there in terms of why you're making those choices and especially in a situation like Kevin Hayes, which to me is similar to Oliver Ekman Larson that we talked about in terms of, do you make that choice? Because the cap hit is going to be significant. And trust me, Kevin Hayes will be relieved if he gets bought out or gets traded, yeah. he'll be relieved because he liked Elaine Vigneault. That was why he came in and, and that's a fit for him. And you saw that he really had good numbers for him and everything else. He still had pretty good numbers for torts, but you can see that it's not a fit and it's a strain for him to be able to, you know, he doesn't get to play his way. And I'm not saying all players should get to play their way, but with torts, you don't get to play your way. You got to play his way. And you could see that it took a toll on him. I, I think so too. And, you know, I think that's why you work everything you can to try and make a trade right up until the end of this buyout deadline, you do everything you can to make the best trade possible. And then if there isn't, something that's going to help you, that's when you reconsider the buyout. But you don't right. do that until that point. No. So the other thing that came up a little bit was why not Rasmus Ristolainen in the buyout? And I, I think for me, what he was able to do improvement-wise this year says keep him around at least for another year. Um, or you try and trade him and see what you could get in the return. But if you don't get anything in a return, I think he's a good guy to have in the locker room. I think it's going to be extremely important if the defense is young to have somebody like that around and who can handle maybe some of the physicality that the younger guys aren't going to be able to handle, uh, you know, as quickly in the league. And I, I just think that he's a try to trade until the last possible second and then keep him around if he can't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even try and trade him uh, because, again, you do have to have um, him around for some of the young defensemen to develop. He does set the tone physically in a lot of games. Is he going to have some turnovers that bug you? Sure. But his defense yeah. is a lot better, and it got a lot better under Torts. And when his defense got a lot better, then all of a sudden some of his offense came back too. Uh, more than <laughs> yes, the, it did. You know, so, and at least that, you know, that was a positive. So I don't see the rush for – for Ristolainen. Now, of course, like you said, if there was a massive offer out there, then maybe right. you have to 
consider it. But now that you've got rid of Provorov, you do have to be careful. You don't want to strip mine the defense, even if you think you're going to be a bad team, because you still have younger defensemen that are developing. Cam York is still developing. You don't want to screw them up. Yeah. And I think that's really the the core of it, right? Is that is you need somebody who's going to be able to be a support and a mentor for this D. Yes. And um, I, I think Risto could do that for a year. I'm not saying he's your long-term top set, you know, defenseman. You know, I think that for a year, he's a good guy to have around. He is. He, he definitely does not rock the boat. He is good in the locker room. All right. Well, given all of that, uh, it's Monday. And of course, that means we are going to name our nemesis of the week. It's a favorite part of the week for us here at Lockdown Flyers. And we are going to get to that coming up next. Russ, I am trepidatious, but also excited about this week's nemesis. And uh, if you are newer to the program out there, and are recently subscribed each and every Monday, we look at the world of the Flyers and the world of the NHL and say, what is bothering us the most? What is making us the most nervous? And so we name our nemesis just for that week. And then hopefully we can move on to something different for the the week after that. And last week when we were talking about nemeses, uh, I think for me, it was the uncertainty that based on the Provorov trade, it seemed like the Flyers were just going for it in terms of this rebuild. So we really might not know where the draft picks would end up until the last minute because they might make some more trades. They might right. wheel in, they might trade down from the 22nd or trade up from the 22nd. Like we just don't know. And so that uncertainty was my nemesis. And then, you know, going into this week, I think, you know, while this is not draft week, it's the week before the draft, I think this is where the second guessing begins. And that's my nemesis for this week is second guessing my list, second guessing my choices, because this is such a crucial year for the Flyers. And I'm like, I want them to get it right. And unfortunately, we won't know if they got it right until two, three years down the road, at least if not four to five years down the road. You know, when you when you you know if you're going to have a sustained, successful team at that point. Right. But I think that, you know, this is where it all begins. And we've been talking about it that way. And so uh, just the second guessing of what I want versus what I think they'll do. All right. So mine is draft related. Also, my my nemesis right now is do not ask me, text me, even if you see me on the street, don't ask me about the 2024 draft. I don't care about the 2024 draft. I don't care how many picks any team has, Flyers included. Don't tell me that the 2024 draft is extremely strong on defense when maybe you heard one person say it, and now you're going to kind of go with that and hope with that. I I don't even want to talk about that. There's a time for that, and that'll come after like rookie camp, way after that, and I start building my list for next year. But I don't even get seriously into it. Until, you know, October after I, you know, I get past the USHL's first tournament and some of the other stuff. So it's like, don't talk to me about it. Don't ask me. I do not care. I focus on this draft for a reason. I want to give the kids from this draft their due. I'm still writing about it for my site and other sites, profiles. And I do it because I want people to to learn about these players. And they want to tell me and I want to tell you. But I don't, I don't think it serves anybody any purpose if I start writing about a bunch of guys from the, the next year's draft. It serves, to me, it's not the time. 
I will take exception to one thing you said is that I do care how many picks the Flyers have in. Well, that's fine. If you care about your picks, that's fine. Yeah. Just in terms of having assets and the ability to maybe affect things in this year's draft, having assets for next year's draft to trade. Are, is an important thing or building assets for next year's okay i'll say this an though my my caveat to your caveat is it's nice let's say if you have three second round picks for next year and you could puff your chest out you needed them for this year well that's you true. needed them for this year <laughs> not for next year that is absolutely true and, and that's we've been it i'm done for a while but no, I do think, you know, your point about giving this year's players their due is a, is a good one and want to focus on them. And um, I've said this before, talking about previous year's drafts and ever since I started digging more into, you know, prospect study and, you know, this is, you know, going back a number of years, you know, now I have many children in the NHL that are <laughs> many teams um, that are not the Flyers that makes uh, me both sad, but also proud of them that, you know, guys that I thought maybe were going to do really well in the NHL are doing well or getting there and they're just on other teams doing it. But <laughs> that being said, you know, I, I am very excited for for who the Flyers are going to pick up no matter who they are because yeah. they're part of the organization now and i'm now i'm now on their team and and i'm going to root for their right success. it's the future you should always be excited about what the future might hold and and so that's always a positive yeah i i, th I think so as well and you know we got like what a week and a half to go until the draft at this point so it's really getting close, and, and we're going to know who those draft picks are. And that are. still doesn't mean I, I won't nitpick the pick and say, you know, there were yeah, better guys on the board. True. I might do that, and Rachel might do that. She's done it before too. So don't we are not closing ourselves off to that. So don't think that this nice little kumbaya moment means that we're not going to do that because I can't guarantee that. Right. But I do think that, you know, again, even if you might have picked somebody else, like – they're they're on our team now and i'm on their team now and yeah I'm like the, the you biggest want them cutter, to do well yeah i am the biggest cutter gautier fan out there even though i wouldn't have picked him at right time. so just want to say that all right that will do it for today's show uh everyday listeners can look forward tomorrow the hockey hall of fame uh, will be announcing their honorees on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about some predictions tomorrow, as well as those versus discussions. We're going to talk about Mitch Koff versus Moore and Reinbacker versus Sandine Pelica. So lots to talk about, and we will do that then. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.